begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Power to the Brown, the Brown, which is like Power to the Ground podcast. Um, we're here for week three. Once again, joined by my friend, Mr. Jesse. What's up, everybody? It was an awesome week three. It was a track that I really, really enjoy. And I am Steve, so um, we're pretty much going to jump right into it. But Jesse, let's get with the uh, the socials and all the links and all that stuff. Get that out of the way. Yep. So those of you who are watching us live on Instagram, yes, we, we stream live to Instagram while we're recording this podcast. So if you want to jump on there when we're recording it on Sunday mornings, you can interact with us. Um, for those of you who are already watching on us, us on Instagram right now, you already know what to follow us at. But if you're not, it is at Power to the Ground. Um, we mainly do all of our uh, our stuff on Instagram. Uh, we get highlights, weekly highlights. Um, if you want to check our website out, we've got a, a brand new website with a bunch of fun stuff going on. You can go over there, sign up for our email list. You can get notified when we upload the podcast. And that's really it. It is uh, www.power2theground.com. And like I said, at Power to the Ground on Instagram. Got it? You good? Got it. Catch, good. A, catch, <gasps> catch a breath. All right. Man, we had a great weekend of racing. Uh, before we get into it, we get a little bit of news. So uh, Lawrence was out. You know, we were talking about while we were watching the races, wondering where he was. We missed any of the news. So uh, Freak accident during training this last week. Not only was he out for this weekend's race, but he might require surgery um, and be out for the rest of the season. Not only that, apparently his engine locked up going up ramp on a jump. And he said by the time he let go of the handlebars, he was already lawn darting into oh, the ground. Oh, man. So um, it's unfortunate for him because he looks like he was starting to pick up some yeah. momentum. You actually had him predicted in your top three, which we'll get to later. Um, so really unfortunate news for Lawrence, uh, Hunter Lawrence. Yeah, we were watching the races, and I was like, hey, there's a missing gate there, and I don't see Lawrence anywhere here. So that answers that question. So uh, Washougal was probably the best race of the year so far. I think so. I, lo- I love this track. It's a fun track to watch. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of switchbacks. There's turns into turns, lots of places to pass. Um, there really is no premier lines on this track. You can make a pass pretty much anywhere. You feel comfortable making the pass. Um, just a really, really, really fun track. If you haven't seen them, if you're watching this on Instagram, um, you can probably find them on YouTube still. Um, fun, fun racing to watch. It was awesome. They were fast. The lines were great. Um, the sun, then the shadows really didn't kick in until towards the end of the second moto when we pretty much knew what was going to happen anyway. Second 450 moto. Yeah. We knew it was going to happen at that point anyway, so it didn't seem to affect the race as much. It was nice and overcast, not a lot of shadows. These guys were flying around this track, and uh, we had some really, really good battles. So let's get into it. Uh, the 250s in the first moto, and actually it ended up happening in the second moto too. The whole shot. How about... Five Yamahas all out front coming around those first turns. Five out of the first seven? Yeah. Five yeah, of the first, I think insane. on the first I think on the first moto it was five out of the first five. And then on the second moto it was five out of the first seven. That's just insane. Ridiculous. And they were spread out too, so it didn't really matter where their starting point was. What's going on with those Yamahas, guys? Um, it seems like there's something crazy going there is, on. There. They are onto something there. They might stop. They, they've, they've definitely got something worked out with the mechanics because they are getting the 
power to the ground. Oh man. Oh, that's it. We're doing it. We're going there. <laughs> um, but no, it's you're right though. It is. It's absolutely working. And honestly, that's really good for our first moto winner, Ferrandis. And he looked good yesterday. Yes, he did. This is a perfect track for him. Um, he is one of those guys. I, I I've said it before. He likes to hold it open. He goes for broke. He's either going as fast as he can or he's eating dirt. And this happens to be one of those tracks where it favors those of you who like to hold the throttle open as, as hard as you can. And he's that guy. And if so facto, yeah, we, really, we saw him in both races, in both classes too. I mean, the guys who were just willing to just open up the throttle and go were the ones that came out on top. What really impressed me about Ferrandis yesterday, though, was how he was able to hold off Sansa Rulo and Justin Cooper. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, so early on in the race, Sianciarulo tries to make the pass, and clearly that fired Ferrandis up because it, it just from that point he was on it and he was pretty much gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I do think Ferrandis had a little bit of luck there um, because there at certain at certain points in both motos, really, um, Sianciarulo looked like he was the faster rider, and it looked like he was going to put in a, a charge at Ferrandis, but. Um, Early on, when uh, Ferrandis Cooper and Sianti Arulo were were getting together, Sianti Arulo goes down in a turn. Um, and the broadcasters in these, come on, you guys, the broadcasters in these races really need to to get it together. They they need some new producers or something. They're showing a recap of a, a crash that happened somewhere else off the off in the race a few minutes ago. Meanwhile, Ferrandis is making the pass for first and Cianti Arulo goes off, goes down in a turn while they're in a split screen. Come on, you guys. Uh, yeah. They got to be a little bit more attentive than they see something. I mean, you know, we, we all know this sport. you know, when stuff's going down, you know, they're about to make the pass in the next turn or two. Just stay there. You can do your split replay later when there's nothing going on and nobody's making passes and there's two seconds in between them. And, uh, and really it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a crazy pass that we missed, but we missed the passer first. Right. And Fernandez didn't look back at that point. And then, they definitely made it close at the end. It looked like it was clear that th these were the three fastest riders yeah. on the track. I mean, it was those guys within a few seconds of each other the whole race and then just this massive gap to the rest of the field. And these are these are your premier riders. These are your premier riders. And the only difference between the first moto and the second moto is that Cooper got stuck in, in traffic and he wasn't able to link up with the with the other two. And then Frandis and Sansu Rule over just well, and I definitely think that's a part of it, but, you know, we've seen riders, Ferrandez and Cianciarulo, and then obviously in the 450s who kind of get, linked, you know, stuck in the first part of the race there, um, able to kind of come through and catch up to that leading pack. And I think, I know I've said it every week so far, it just goes to show Justin Cooper is not quite there yet. Um, I think he fades in the second moto of every single race that I've watched so far. His starts are great. His finishes have been okay, although he's, he finished really strong in the first moto yesterday. Um, but the second, his second motos have really been his downfall. Yeah. And I think that if he can start getting his conditioning up, which is probably a huge part of it, he's a young kid. He hasn't had these years of training that some of these other guys have. Uh, if he can get his conditioning up and get his, you know, his focus back up and he starts finishing as strong in the second moto as he does in the first moto, that's when I think when he puts it together, you're looking at a champion. But right now, he has yet to show me that he can carry – first moto momentum into a second moto in these yeah. outdoors. And he's not the only one. There's a lot of really fast riders in this class that simply cannot put um, multiple races together. 
they just can't. Um, Hampshire is one of them. Uh, I don't, I don't know where Hampshire is. Uh, Hampshire has been off the map for the past few weeks. And, uh, I mean, you had him in your predictions for podiums this week. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where he's at. Hampshire, where you at, bud? Where you at? Um, so for those of you who didn't get a chance to watch the races, uh, you want to go through the, um, the race results for, uh, the two fifties. Yeah. So, um, speaking of Hanshire, he went eight, five yesterday. Ouch. Yeah. It was, it was a little bit of a rough showing. It's all right. I had one too. Alex Martin, uh, was Alex Martin had a rough day. Yeah. I was like, man, he looks good. I think he's starting to kind of pick it up and he went 13, seven. Ouch. Uh, so, but obviously, so Dylan Ferrandez won one yesterday. He just, he was the best rider on the track. Uh, he really just just took Washougal and and just rolled with it. Yep. Uh, held off a lot of really good attempts by Santarulo to make the pass. And he just, every time he did, it seemed like he found another gear. Every time he thought that, you know, Santarulo was going to push and make the pass and had the pace, Fernandez just found another gear. Yep. And, you know, in that second moto, they kind of both took a break. You know, we, we kind of said it right around the 12, 13 minute mark to about the seven minute mark in the race. There wasn't really a lot going on. These guys are just kind of cruising. I think they were both catching their breath, getting ready. I thought that Cianciarulo started pushing too early. I think he should have given it another minute or two with like five minutes left in the race and then started to push um, because I think they were both pretty gassed by the end of this. He started pushing and then as soon as Cianciarulo started pushing, Ferrandez kicked it back up into yep. another gear too. And I think that was, that was pretty much it. And then, you know, how many laps are left is a huge, huge thing. Huge yeah. deal. It was really funny in the, the second moto to watch the two of them going back and forth because it was clear that each one of them had an advantage in a certain part in the track and a disadvantage in the other part of the track. You know, they, if, if they were almost at the exact same points every time they came across the it track was, and it was yo-yoing back. It was forth. like six laps in a row, right? So that the S turn there, you come down the bottom of the hill, you go into the S um, a lot of guys were coming around the outside at first. The inside to the inside was faster. But there was like six laps where they hit the top of that curve at the end of the S-turn, and Cianciarulo's front wheel was on Ferrandez's back wheel. But by the time they hit the finish line, they were like three or four bike lengths. So it was clear that Cianciarulo had the first half of that track. He had it down. He caught right up to uh, Ferrandez until that S-turn. And it was like that S-turn hit, and for the rest of the track, for the rest of that lap, Ferrandez had the edge and he gained, especially in those whoops at the end, come that last little, uh, those whoops into the finish line, uh, Ferrandez just was just smoother through those. And he always gained another like bike length or two coming out of those. Yep. Um, so we're going to do the, uh, the race results, the overall results for the two fifties. Uh, first let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the two fifty results and then we'll jump into the four fifty. So we'll see you right back here in a second. Wrapping it up, we got the overalls for the 250s. So obviously we said Ferrandez went 1-1. He took the overall. Looks great this weekend. Uh, Cianciarulo still had a pretty good weekend. He went 3-2, took second overall. Um, but that three, you know, that dropped him a few extra points There's back. Points. Ferrandez Those are so, points. You know, and we'll get to the points. But Justin Cooper had a, still had a pretty strong showing. He ended up finishing fourth in that second moto. He obviously had the second in the first moto. He finished his third overall with the 2-4. Um, so the three riders that you would kind of expect at this point in the season to take the over, you know, the overall podium were on your overall podium. So let's take a look at what we had last week for our predictions. Absolutely. And uh, I know we both I... got fairly close. Oh, Lawrence. 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 I know. So you actually kind of get a pass because Lawrence didn't race. I don't think he was going to podium. Justin Cooper looked really good. And, um, so, but you had Santa Rulo Ferrandez, one, two. Um, they flipped. 
Still pretty close. Obviously, they both went one, two. So I had Ferrandis Cianciarulo one, two. So I nailed my one and two. I also did have Alex Martin number three, who really let me down this week. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, we have a week off. Um, so let's wait until next week before we I like do that our idea. Yeah. Predictions next week. They'll give everybody a chance to catch up. Send us your predictions through Instagram comments. Let us know what your predictions are for Unadilla. Oh, man, do we got something for you for next week. Then we can talk about your predictions on the podcast next week. So, yeah, go ahead and drop your um, your comments. Find find one of the highlights that are posted throughout the week, or you can DM them to us, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I did way better in the 250 predictions than I did in the 450 predictions, but we'll get there. So that kind of wraps up. Any other thoughts from the 250s? I mean, it's really kind of at this point – Ferrandis has to keep his momentum going. Yep. Right. Um, and really kind of hope that Cian has a bad race or two because he's it's a 28-point lead now. He dropped it from 36, but the mud last week ruined him. It was Ferrandis was 1-1, 1-1, or 1-2, I think it was. He was yeah. just on a roll, and then the mud happened, and he just he dropped just so many it. points. Yeah. And he's back to 1-1. Can you imagine if he had a dry track last week? He this might have be been a lot more interesting. He'd probably have a 15-point you know race right now. Yep. So he needs some help. He needs the answer to go down, but he also needs to continue this role that he's on to even have a chance. Yeah. So he might make it interesting by the end, kind of like he did in the Super Pro season. Yeah, absolutely. And then I took think. it, you know, because that was a thing. Sancho Rulo gave it to him by the end of the season by going down after having that points lead. So we might see the same thing in outdoors. So I don't think it's quite over yet. I don't think so either. And I, if, if for nothing more than uh, just team dynamics, I think Ferrandis needs to keep doing what he needs to do. And I think Ferrandis needs to uh, go over to his buddy Cooper and be like, hey, I need you to compete with this guy for number two and keep him behind you as yeah. much as possible. And he can do that in the first moto. He's really going to keep it up in the second yeah. moto because that's that's been his weakest point. But he does. He needs a little bit of help, I think. You know, somebody needs – I'm not saying – I don't want to be dirty. I don't want to see him. No. And I don't want he's to see, compete with him. But I don't want to see 92 go down either necessarily. It's, a, it's kind of a crappy way to lose. But if he goes down a little bit – and makes it like <laughs> like, if like he, a ten point. Like if, he, if he tucks a front end in a corner uh, and like no. gets back up, I'm okay with that because that's going to make for a really really interesting end to the season, which we are not going to have in the 450s. No, so, uh, that wraps up the 250s. Great, great racing yesterday. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, so was the 450s. So surprise, surprise. <sighs> Eli Tomac won one, yep. and they're really just at, it wasn't any question. In either yeah. moto. I think from this from this point out, it's really we're just we're gonna completely omit whoever won the overall because I think uh, you guys know and we know, I think everybody knows at this point, Tomac is the fastest guy out there. So we're only gonna cover from two and down at, at this point. Which would make Ken Roxon the winner yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I but we've gotta talk a little bit about Tomac because and we're gonna get into this a little bit more next week. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, before the end what we're gonna do next week, but um, this guy is just, it, you can't say you can see it in his eyes. It's, you know, a lot of people say he looks racy, but you just, you can see in his body language when he is feeling it, there is nobody on the track that's faster. First moto, he was just gone. It was, it was see you later. No, thanks. But even in that second moto, he started 13th and we're like, man, he's only eight seconds back. He doesn't have a whole lot of people that have to pass. No. Uh, Muskin and Roxanne just didn't have the, the the pace clearly, and I'm, I remember looking to him being like, "Tomac's winning Tomac's this race. Winning He's this race. winning this race." And sure enough, I mean, it wasn't even that long left in the race, uh, that far into the race when he caught up to Muskin. 
I will give Muskin some credit. He put up a little bit of a fight. Yeah. And he almost came back at him, too. Almost. Yeah. Almost. But nobody was touching Tomac yesterday. No. And it was just a flat 1-1. Uh, Roxon looked a lot better yesterday. Roxon did look a lot better, uh, especially in, in his starts. Um, he was getting right up front. He was riding up front where Roxon is most comfortable. Um, he he looked good. He looked smooth throughout the race. He dropped a little bit towards the end of the second moto. Yeah, which is a whole other oh, uh, deal. Oh, yeah. I think he was dealing with some sickness. He might have had a cold or, or maybe he killed some NyQuil before the race. I yeah, don't know. I don't know. It's, it's always, always something with Ten Rocks. And always it's always something. an excuse. And what's really funny is even a, even a few years ago, even before his, uh, his injury, he would always have some sort of excuse. But back then, at least he was giving the excuses after the race. <laughs> now he has gone to a whole nother level of excuse making where he is actually giving his excuses for why he didn't win before the race, it's which puts him in a perfect, perfect position with these with these um, people who are interviewing him after. Because if he lost, then he's he got an excuse. excuse for why he lost. And if he wins, then he's the underdog. But I think the problem is when he does that, and, and look, I know it seems like we're bashing on rocks, and he has had a rough go of it the past yeah, couple of years. Absolutely. And, and so, and I was have definitely been rooting for him to come back. But like you said, this has been going on since he was in the two fifties. Yeah. When he was battling with Tomac in the two fifties, it was excuse after excuse after excuse. And I think the problem with him now is setting up these excuses beforehand because they said it on the broadcast. Well, he told us before the race he was dealing with this, that, and the other thing. And I think he's getting into his own head. Yeah, I think he's setting himself up to make himself feel better because he has no confidence right now. None. And he hasn't been able to get back to the place he was. So he's giving himself excuses, not even just the rest of the world. I think. Yeah. And I, that's dangerous. I think somebody's going to pull him aside and talk to him and say, stop, enough with the excuses. Go out there, put the power to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you did what I had to do. Yeah, that's I, true. I, I think, Shameless plugs. Shameless plugs. Um, but no, seriously, get out there, get the power to the ground, put the, open up the throttle, and ride like Ken Roxon can ride. The injuries are freak injuries and accidents. It, it, it may or may not happen again, but he's he's never going to get back to where he was if he doesn't get out of his own head. Yeah. And the excuses, I think, are just a shining example of he's in his own head and he's he's making excuses again. Yeah, he is and always has been a confidence rider. So as soon as as soon as and him and Muskin, him and Muskin, um, but. As soon as he gets rolling, he keeps rolling. But as soon as he comes off of that roll, man, he he just crashes. And then you brought him up. Muskan. Yeah. That first moto, he looked great. He looked great at the beginning of that first moto. And then Anderson passed him. Anderson passed him. And you saw it when Anderson passed him. He was just demoralized because he's watching Webb and Tomac. And Roxon and Anderson, and I think at that point, uh, Savachi was still up ahead of him. Yeah. Um, and he, so we ended up passing Savachi by the end of the race because right. Savachi dropped back. So Mark, Mark finished fifth. But I just, this, you saw it. It was this group, and I'm like, here we go. This is Marvin's chance to kind of like, you know, push and kind of make some passes, get back up on the podium. He's technically second in the points at that point. There was a, a, a 36, a 38 point lead for Tomac, which is ridiculous, but whatever. There's a chance. Right. And Anderson passes him, and instead of doing the Cooper Webb thing, where he says, oh, hell no, and goes and passes him back, he does the Marvin Muskin thing. He's like, man, and I, I actually can't say that. That's not like him normally. I think at this point, he's just demoralized. He's demoralized Webb has yeah. passed him for number one on the team. He can't keep up with Tomac anymore. Um, he Now he can't keep up with Roxanne and Webb, and now Anderson's passing him, and he just, he's got to be in his own head thinking, this is ridiculous. Yeah. 
Um, so he ends up passing Sabachi coming up with fifth, and he did pull off a second. So I think someone might have slapped some sense into him, or he did the Marvin thing where he just bounces back. Yep. I've said it before, he always bounces back. Um, so he put up a much better showing. Again, nobody was touching Tomac. So I have a question for you that I, I thought about this while we were watching the races. I saved it because I wanted to wait. At what point do you think Marvin Muskin drops from that first tier of riders? So we've talked about it before, like kind of the tiers. And everybody knows you have your elite riders who are going to contend for wins and championships every week. You have your next tier, which is they're going to win races. They're really tough to pass. They're, they can be as fast as the other riders, but they're never going to be that consistent top tier. Right. And then you kind of have, you know, moving down the field from there. So guys like Tomac, Roxon, Cooper, Webb, uh, when they're all at their best, Anderson when he was before the injury, um, and then for a lot of years, Muskan have been considered like the elite elite of the 450s. Right. It seems to me that as Cooper Webb gets better, as Tomek finds more and more of his groove, as Roxon starts to come back, at what point do fans, and I don't just mean us, like fans in general, start looking at Muskan and say he's just not that top-tier rider? Well, I think by default at this point, um, he still is a, a top tier rider. Yeah, and I don't think it's happening right no, now. No, no. To be clear. And I don't think it I don't think it has really anything to do with what Muskan is or isn't doing. I think it really comes down to the other riders, the the Webs, the Osbournes, the Savachis. As they get better, they are Muskan's not gonna drop back. I think Muskan's still got enough gas in his tank where he's not gonna start losing speed. But as you've seen it generation over generation for of, of riders over the past like 15, 20 years, with each generation, the riders have gotten faster and faster and more conditioned. So I, I don't think it's a matter of Muskin dropping off. I think it's a matter of the next generations of riders outgrowing him. Let me put it to you like this. Do you think in the next two to three years, Marvin Muskin can win a championship? No. Then I don't, and so I guess that's kind of my question, right? Like when I say tier, for me to define those tier one elite riders, and I hate to say he's my favorite rider, so I hate saying this, but I also want to be hard on him because I think he can do better. He has shown that he can ride with the Dundies and the Tomax of the world. He's been doing it for years. But when you look at can can Webb win another championship? Uh, Supercross, I think he's got a. Uh, good chance. Yeah, yeah, I think he can do an outdoor too. This year he's had a bad start if because he, of his super. If he figures out, if he figures out how to balance, balance the two. between the indoor, uh, outdoor can Tomac win a supercross championship in the next two years? Obviously, right? I, like, can a supercross? Yeah, I uh, maybe. I know he hasn't, and we've talked about the mental thing. That's does he have the talent and the speed and the drive yes, to does. win a supercross championship? Does Roxon have the ability to get back to where he was and win a supercross championship? In the it next looks two? like he does. Does Anderson have the ability to get back and win a supercross or more outdoor championship? If using today as a barometer, I would say yes. He does. I would say absolutely yes, he does. And I think those are your elite riders right now. Muskan, for me, if you were to say of those riders, who is the one that's not going to win it? And you're like, you would put money on it. Wouldn't you say it's Muskan? Yeah. Does that not drop him out of tier elite tier status? Yeah, absolutely. He has the talent. He's so good and he's so technical. And man, when he's like in the sand and some of those supercross tracks, he's just he's he gets in his groove and he's great. I don't think he's consistent enough, and I don't think he has it. No, he doesn't have. He definitely does. I don't think he has it. I mean, he's already lost his team. Not that he ever really had it, you know. He, yeah, it was, was Dungey's team, and then it was a kind of his for a year. Then Cooper Webb was like, "No, nah, this is mine now." Right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think. Uh, 
I'd, I, I agree. I'd have to agree with you. I, if, he is in that top tier, but I think he's, he is he's at the edge. bottom of that totem, and all it's going to take is one person to jump back up there. And he pops Here's off. what I think. I think Muskin has one full year of Supercross and outdoors before he had like he has to prove himself either in this supercross season or the next outdoor season or both probably both right and to say hey no you know what i am still here i am still elite if he doesn't do it in this next supercross and i'm talking like like competing for a championship down to the end in supercross and or motocross right. next year I think you drop him to second tier because you're going to have Savachi and Osborne moving up. Yeah. When Justin Cooper moves up, when Adam Cianciarulo moves up, these guys are going to be competing right away. Right. He's going to get shuffled down and down. He might even lose his team at that point. You know, he like, he might have to switch. He, he might have, have to switch. switch. He may have to switch. Switch rides. Um, I mean, Honda probably needs some help right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yamaha, it looks like they're probably in a good spot moving yeah. forward. Uh, Kawasaki is in a great place with obviously Tomac still being young. He's 27 years old. Savachi now is looking like he's he did a really good job hanging with those guys yeah. for a while. Obviously, he dropped off at the end a little bit, but you expect that from guys like that. Husky's looking pretty solid. They've got Anderson catching stride now. Osborne is uh, let's talk about Osborne for a second. I know this is a guy you've been wanting to hit on for a little while. Yeah. So I mean we'll make it a little quick. We're up against the clock, but yeah, I mean Osborne freaking top five every race except for last week. He's got one one race, one moto it, under his belt. It was belt. yesterday. No, yeah. yesterday. Oh, yesterday. Yesterday's first moto one was his first moto not in the top five. That is consistency. Now this is this is his first outdoor up on the four fifties. Um, granted, Osborne is not a normal case of a four fifty rider, um, and this is something I've actually wanted to talk about with Osborne for a while because Osborne was dominant towards the end of his ride on the two fifties. Um, but he's been on the 250s since 2006. That is a long, <laughs> long ride. He's 29 years old, and he's in his first year on the 450s. He's he's coming up like Villapoto was retiring at 29. Right, as a four-time Supercross right. champion. <laughs> you know, and he's on his first year on the 450s. So, and I know that he said it in interviews over the, the course of this year. It's like make or, it's make or break time because he's older than other riders coming up. And he's either got to go or he's going to not go. And it, he's, uh, he's definitely made a good adjustment up to the 450s. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what he can do with the last couple of years before the end of his career, really. Because that's really what it's unbelievable, yeah. right? That you're talking about he'll probably be retiring sometime around the same time as like Tomac and Roxon. And they've been battling in the 450s for years now, and he's just now coming up. Right. Um, he has been. I, I think that was a ridiculous stat when I heard that. He's been in the top five every single yeah. moto until yesterday's moto one. And then he was back in the top five. Uh, he finished 9-4. So he had a rough first moto yesterday, but he fin- you know pulled a fourth out. And uh, he looks like he, you know, he maybe he is. It's weird because you can't say he's the future right. of Husk Barna. Because he's, he's, is he age. as old as Anderson? <laughs> like, is, He's got to be close, right? He's older than Anderson. Is he? Yeah, because Anderson's Anderson's. I, I mean, I'd have to look it up, but Anderson came up after Roxon and Tomac did. Yeah, I mean, I know Anderson's pretty young, but is he as young as I want to say? Um, he's got to be somewhere around Roxon's age of 25, 25, 26. What do we? What so do we got he's twenty six years old. So 26. he is younger than. Osborne. Right. So Osborne is not the future of Husqvarna. No. Jason Anderson still is. Yeah. So I think 
Osborne has a lot to prove, and so far he's looking like he's doing a pretty good job proving it. So um, that's that's pretty encouraging um, for Husqvarna as a team. I think I'd really like to see them continue competing at the top level, and hopefully Anderson gets back to where we know he can be. Uh, he's an exciting rider to watch. He's starting to show flashes. He said it, you know, in that that first moto especially. Man, yeah. he had that raciness. That pass on Savachi was might have been my favorite pass of the season. Like he's coming down. Sabachi pushes him off the track, not not maliciously, but they're going for the same line. Sabachi was a little bit ahead, so we didn't see him coming up. They hit the same line. Anderson goes off the track. Balls to the wall. Balls to the wall, like coming into the next turn, takes the inside, cuts off Sabachi like completely. Like that was a little it was, that was a aggressive. Little, that, that was, was on like, the edge. That was on the edge, but it was a, such an Anderson move to make. And then ends up completing the pass around the rest of that turn. Like it was, oh my God. We're going to put that, have that highlight up, you know, throughout the week on the Instagram. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that'll be there. So, and I just, I was so, that that part got me hyped. Yeah. That got me up on my feet. So. I'm happy to see Anderson um, getting back to his uh, his old self. I don't, I don't think he's quite there yet. He's still got some, kid, uh, like we said, he's still got some conditioning work to do before he competes through a full, full race. But he's certainly starting to pick up speed now. And yeah. It's, it's good because he is my favorite racer. Um. And as I've said, I'm a, I've been a big Barsha fan for as long as Barsha's been in the game. But Barsha, Bam Bam, um, he has a downside to him. And the reason I like Anderson is because he rides like Bam Bam, but with restraint, which gives him a whole leg up on Barsha. That is one thing that Barsha's never been able to put together is to ride on the edge, as close to the edge as he always does. Yeah. But staying upright. Staying upright. Yeah. And that's Anderson obviously put that together and he can do it. But he, he's a fun rider to watch. And I love Husky. Like that's my that's my that's your my brand. Ride. That's my brand. So um, you know, whenever those sponsorships coming in, Husqvarna, <laughs> I got you. Um so wrapping up the four fifties, um, obviously we talked about Eli. We don't need to talk about Eli more, although we are gonna talk about him next week. Roxon uh finishes second overall with a two-three. It's another good showing from him, and it looks like he's starting to round back into form. Hopefully, he can kind of get back to where he was pre-injury, especially for Supercross season. Because if Roxanne is back in form and Webb is ready to go, Anderson comes back into form, you might have some really, really solid racing for Supercross season. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get there. Who took the number three in the overall? Mar- Marvin. Marvin did. So, yeah, okay. he went 5-2. Um, Webb went 3-5. Okay. So, Muskin ended up pulling off the podium. And I, like, I'm so hard on him, but I just... I want to see him do better. I want to see him compete. So a 5-2 when you want to win a championship, when the points leader's going 1-1 is not good enough. Right. Um, so congratulations on the podium, I guess. Yeah. That is <laughs> about as good as it's going to get at this point. So, I mean, let's take a look at – so we'll take a look at our uh, predictions from last week. Um, you, sir – did a little bit better than I did, a little bit. Okay. Only by, I think, one. Um, so you had Tomek, Webb, and Osborne. So, I mean, really, if you think about it, that's not a bad That's not a bad prediction. No. Um, I'm happy with it. I'm happy. I, I think leaving Roxanne off. I only scored off, one point, but. <laughs> right. I, well, I mean, I think leaving Roxanne off might have been a mistake because I think he's shown a lot more consistency. He dropped off after the first four rounds, and he's kind of started to come back. So um, Webb was a good choice. He just didn't have the, he didn't have the pace yesterday is really what it came down to. Yep. He didn't ride poorly or anything you just didn't have it um tomek i made the mistake so not only did i not pick tomek to win i left tomek off the podium Ooh. overall Ooh. i feel really dumb <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but if you look at the riders I picked, I had Webb, Moosekin, and Roxen. Yeah. So, Roxen and Moosekin finished 2-3 <clears throat> overall. So, that wasn't that far off. So, if you really, if you replace Webb with Roxen, I mean, uh, Tomac, then I nailed the top three just in a different order. So, right. I don't, maybe I didn't do as bad as I thought, but I did, uh, leaving Tomac off was really dumb. Yeah, it happens. Don't uh, worry, I've had some dumb ones here too. <laughs> Well, you did pick Hampshire. Yeah, I did. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go into our 450 predictions for for uh, no, no we're doing we're predictions. Next we're week. doing predictions next week. So at, so here real quick. So last thing. So in the 250s, we got 28 a 28 point differential. Again, it's kind of a there's, there's a chance. Uh, Cianciarulo, if he keeps podiuming like he has been, obviously it's over. Um, but it's not closed out yet. And technically, the 450s aren't. Eli Tomac has a 50 point lead with three races left. Yeah, he literally would have to miss two full races. And have Muskin finish one one, and like both of those races or something along those lines. Right, it's it's a ridiculous points lead, and Tom, Tomac has just looked too good in too the South good. season. So there's absolutely no chance that um, he doesn't win the championship. Yeah, so. and, and he's got a couple of tracks coming up, especially with Unadilla. Unadilla fits him perfectly. Um, I can't see. I can't see it. <laughs> anybody. Yeah, so we'll talk. We'll, so we'll talk about predictions, but obviously for the rest of the season, we'd say Tomac is. Cianciulo is probably winning the two fifties, but there's a chance Tomac's definitely winning the four fifty. So uh, next week we got a little bit of obviously no races, so we get a uh, week off for the riders. We are not taking a week off. Um, you and I grew up going to Unadilla, yeah. So that is a race that is near and dear to our heart. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, next on the next podcast, some of our experiences and some of our favorite memories from Unadilla. It's a great, great race. Um, it's, it's really a shame we haven't been able to get back in a while. So that's on the docket. We're going to do some, you know, week off, no races. We're going to talk some historical context. Where does Eli Tomac rank in the list of all-time greats? Uh, I like the discussion that we had a little bit, you know, yesterday. Forget overall, we know who the best ever is, but like, who's the fastest rider ever? Yeah, we'll put him in Who's the most technical rider ever, you know? So we're going to have some fun next week. We're going to rank some. So for you guys on Instagram Live, if you're listening on the podcast, go ahead and jump on our Instagram. Send us some comments. Who do you think is the fastest rider ever? Who do you think is the most technical rider ever? We know who the greatest ever is, but who are the next four or five? What order do you rank them in? Send us those. And we'll uh, we'll discuss them on the podcast next week. So we're gonna have some fun. Yeah, if you got any, if you want to give us actually a better place to give us some comments is actually go over to our website at power number the number two theground.com. And if you go down all the way to the bottom of the page, you'll find some uh, a little comment section. So go to our website, go down to the bottom in the comment section, and I want you to give us our your top five all time riders. In whatever order you want, and then we'll discuss those next week. So that should be fun because we all know top five lists are an absolute magnet for haters. So it's going to be fun. Tell us why we're wrong. We'll tell you why you're wrong. I mean, number one's probably not debatable, but two through five, we'll, we're going to have some fun debating. Absolutely. And again, we'll talk a little bit about Unadilla. We'll do our predictions for next week. So we still got a whole full uh, docket of things to talk about even without the races next week. So, and I think that's going to wrap it up for today. That's it. So if you guys are listening to this podcast, there's a bunch of new places that you can listen to us. Um, pretty much anywhere where you, uh, listen to podcasts. Um, if you're listening to this right now, you don't already follow us on Instagram. There's a bunch of people on Instagram joining us today. Um, we are in a couple of weeks, we're going to open this up to a segment to our listeners. So if you're on Instagram Live with us, you'll get a chance to add some uh, some of your own value to the show. 
Um, so follow us on Instagram at Power to the Ground. Uh, check out our website at www.power2theground.com. And that's it for uh, for our for all stuff. The, all the stuff. All right, man. I think that's going to wrap it up for the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining us on Instagram Live. We will talk to all of you next week on the Power to the Ground podcast. Thanks, Jesse. Yep. Have a good Sunday, everybody.